Hey everybody and welcome to the 5 Bytes Podcast. I'm your host, Rory Monahan. Coming up on this week's episode, a roundup of the announcements made at Microsoft's Ignite conference. Also, a Patch Tuesday news roundup and OpenAI confirmed GPT-5 is in the works. For details on these stories and more, keep listening to this episode of the podcast, which of course is brought to you by my sponsors. And that includes Policy Pack Software, now part of Netrix, where you use Group Policy or MDM to remove admin rights, manage lockdown applications, Java browsers, and mitigate ransomware, plus more. And also brought to you by ControlUp, end-to-end digital experience management for the work from anywhere era. ControlUp, happy users, happy IT. And of course, also brought to you by Numescent, the inventors of the first and only cloud-native container management platform for Windows desktops. If you enjoy the show each week, give these awesome sponsors to thank. And now for some news. Microsoft's Ignite conference was held in Seattle this week. And as you may expect, I took center stage for the keynote and much of the conference. Microsoft CEO Satya Nadella announced the latest GPT-4 Turbo model with lower pricing and extended prompt length is coming to Azure OpenAI this week in preview. Microsoft also announced a new ARM-based CPU at the Azure Cobalt 100, which they claim is 40% faster than commercial ARM-based servers and stating it will make Azure the fastest of any cloud provider. Confusingly, Bing Chat is now being rebranded as Microsoft Copilot. So perhaps Copilot is just going to become an overarching name for anything AI related within the Microsoft product stack. According to The Verge, Microsoft announced they've combined Sentinel Security Analytics and Microsoft Defender XDR platforms into an industry-first unified security operations platform. And wouldn't you know it, at the center of this new unified security operations platform is AI. And with it, they say that the AI could do things like summarize all incidents in the enterprise, explain how particular vulnerabilities work. You can feed it a file to check if it's secure and use it to collaborate with colleagues and even generate automations. Microsoft also officially launched its productivity and collaboration tool or app called Loop which I'd covered on the podcast previously. Uh, But Loop lets you use flexible collaborative workspaces and pages to make it easier to cooperate on work amongst your team. They also announced new AI features for teams, like a feature where an AI will clean up and replace clutter in the background of your video. And you can even use it to do things like put a plant in the background or just move things around. So that sounds pretty cool, but maybe is uh, more of a novelty. Also announced was Windows AI Studio, which is a new hub where developers can access AI models and tweak them to suit their needs. Microsoft also announced that some of its existing task management and planning tools like Microsoft To Do, Microsoft Planner, and Microsoft Project for the Web are going to be combined into a single unified experience under the name Microsoft Planner, and that's going to be available next year, so in spring of 2024. They also showed off Copilot Studio, which is a new no-code solution that lets businesses create a custom Copilot or integrate a custom ChatGPT AI. This follows OpenAI's similar feature 
which I've seen several uh, developers and those in DevOps sharing their creations using the ChatGPT equivalent on social media. They also announced that they're extending Windows Auto Patch for PCs for frontline workers by adding Auto Patch to the Microsoft 365 F3 Plus subscription. And for Entra, Entra ID users will be able to sign in with pass keys managed by the Microsoft Authenticator app. And by using pass keys, they say customers will have an additional phishing resistant credential based on open standards and will ensure access to the latest security enhancements that will be added to the FIDO standard in the coming years. Power Pages are getting payment processing integration, so you'll be able to embed payment processing directly into your websites that are built with Microsoft's Power Pages. And on the Azure Virtual Desktop and Windows 365 front, they showed off a new Windows app that's in preview that will connect you to any devices or applications across Windows 365, Azure Virtual Desktop, Remote Desktop, Remote Desktop Services, Microsoft DevBox, and more. It was kind of being promoted as a big deal, but I don't know. <laughs> there was a Windows 365 app, there was the remote desktop client. It always felt a bit jarring that there was going to be a separate app for Windows 365. Whereas with remote desktop clients, you could already connect to your various different desktops, including Windows 365. So this is just, I guess, in place of Windows 365 app and remote desktop client. And it's going to support additional platforms by the sounds of it. Nothing too groundbreaking in my opinion. What is very welcome is Windows 365 GPU support is now in preview and it will make it ideal for workloads such as graphic design, image and video rendering, 3D modeling, data processing and visualization applications. So that's very welcome, especially for those with intensive workloads. And of course, Windows 365 was not going to be left behind with the AI announcements. They announced some AI capabilities that they say will help customers reduce costs, increase efficiency, and further simplify security and management of Windows 365 cloud PCs. And one example would be applying AI to assess cloud PC deployment and utilization to provide recommendations to help organizations forecast and right-size their cloud PC investment. And they say that the preview for this will be in the coming months, so it's not available right now, but it's one to keep an eye on. Azure Virtual Desktop gets auto scale for personal desktops. It will automatically start session host virtual machines according to schedule and using start VM on connect and deallocate or hibernate session host VMs based on the user session state like log off or disconnect. The deallocating capability is now generally available and hibernating session host VMs is in preview. Single sign-on and passwordless authentication support for both Windows 365 and Azure Virtual Desktop is now generally available. They announced Windows 365 customer lockbox that's in preview, and this will ensure that Microsoft support engineers can't access content to do service operations without explicit approval. <laughs> Seems like an important one. There's also Windows 365 custom managed keys that will allow organizations to encrypt their Windows 365 cloud PC disks utilizing their own encryption keys. And this will be in preview soon. So encryption for your disks on your Windows 365 cloud PCs. And finally, watermarking, screen capture protection and tamper protection support for both Windows 365 and Azure Virtual Desktop are now generally available. There were more announcements, but I didn't want to go too long in this uh, as 
Microsoft have done in the past at these conferences. They do have a book of news that contains all of the announcements made during the conference. And I'll share a link to that with this episode if you'd like to read it for yourself. That will be at 5bytespodcast.com with episode 308. I think an interesting tell, and maybe I'm reading too much into this, uh, even in the announcements that were for both Azure Virtual Desktop and Windows 365, they put Windows 365 first in the order, which doesn't really make sense because if you're going to go alphabetical, it should be Azure Virtual Desktop and then Windows 365. So I guess maybe a little insight into how they want you to read things. The day before Ignite, ControlUp announced ControlUp Enrich, which is their browser plugin that is available as a tech preview from the Chrome Web Store and the Microsoft Edge add-on site. ControlUp Enrich gives IT administrators and support teams real-time user experience insights without having to leave the tools and interfaces they already have in use to manage their physical or virtual desktops. The Enrich plugin improves IT teams' efficiency by bringing data into the Intune interface, provides real-time insights about the performance and user experience using the device, allows you to detect and resolve issues faster through actions or remote assistance. So this is really, really nice. And in my experience, uh, one of the kind of downsides of Intune and its endpoint analytics is just how lacking it is and uh, the lack of rich feature set in terms of remote actions and remote support capabilities and who better than control up for doing that so having the ability to quickly get into control ups kind of best in class tooling for your windows 365 or any other devices managed with intune by this plugin is certainly a welcome development and this is in preview right now it was a somewhat light month for Patch Tuesday Windows updates as only 58 flaws have been addressed. While only 58 flaws have been patched, five of those patched are zero-day vulnerabilities. And for a total roundup, this month they patched 16 elevation or privilege vulnerabilities, 6 security feature bypass vulnerabilities, 15 remote code execution vulnerabilities, 6 information disclosure vulnerabilities, 5 denial of service vulnerabilities, and 11 spoofing vulnerabilities. Some of the highlights for this month includes CVE-2023-36036 was patched, and this is a Windows Cloud Files mini filter driver elevation or privilege vulnerability where an attacker who successfully exploits the vulnerability could gain system privileges. Also patched is CVE-2023-36033, which is a Windows DWM core library elevation of privilege vulnerability, which similarly, if an attacker successfully exploits this one, you know, it being a privilege escalation vulnerability, they could gain system privileges. There was also CVE-2023-36025, which is a Windows Smart Screen Security Feature Bypass vulnerability that allows a malicious internet shortcut to bypass security checks and warnings. The attackers would be able to bypass Windows Defender Smart Screen checks and their associated prompts, and a user would then have to click on a specially crafted internet shortcut or a hyperlink pointing to an internet shortcut file to be compromised by this attack which is not that difficult or unheard of. You just give them a shortcut file with the URL and Bob's your uncle. As always, other vendors, including the likes of Citrix, Cisco, Apple, I believe there were patches for SolarWinds as well, 
but a lot of patches have been released by other vendors too for different products. And there's also a Citrix Hypervisor patch that you don't want to sleep on as it seems to have pretty high severity rating. I believe it's a 9.4 out of 10. This week it was being reported that close to 10,500 Citrix servers are still vulnerable to CVE-2023-4966, uh, which is that severe vulnerability that I've reported on previously, uh, which is being nicknamed Citrix Bleed. And this is according to the findings of Japanese threat researcher Yakuta Seriyama, and that was shared by bleepycomputer.com. And the majority of servers are in the US with 3,133 residing in the US, followed by 1,228 in Germany, 733 in China, 558 in the UK, 381 in Australia, 309 in Canada, 301 in France, 277 in Italy, 252 in Spain, 244 in the Netherlands, and 215 in Switzerland. So if you are an administrator and you're overseeing your Citrix Netscalers, I don't know what to tell you. This point you're probably already compromised so you better take the appropriate actions in an update to a previous story i covered on the podcast the lockbit ransomware gang has leaked more than 43 gigs of files from boeing after the company reportedly refused to pay a ransom bleepycomputer.com suggests that most of the data listed on the hackers group's leak site are backups for various systems and the most recent of them was from october 22nd the ransomware gang gave a November 2nd deadline to contact them and engage in negotiations, and seemingly, that did not happen. One of the backups that was leaked is related to their Citrix Netscalers, which has led to speculation about this being tied to the previously mentioned Citrix Bleed vulnerability. Considering so many are backups of systems, it'll be interesting to see if this further implicates Boeing for future attacks and or just how quickly they're able to maybe rebuild all their systems from scratch or replace them as i'm sure everything's compromised and it has to be a page one rewrite but hey yeah they didn't negotiate they did not pay the ransom which you know as experts suggest is the right approach uh, if you do pay the ransom you make yourself a target for future attacks because they know you'll pay um, but also, say, the Irish Health System, the HSE, they did get a decryption key for free because the ransomware gang decided, oh, well, healthcare will give you the decryption key. And it didn't seem to matter because the process of decrypting every single machine and going through that uh, took so long that the service was disrupted still for well over a year. So I think Boeing took the right approach. In a report by Neowin.net, they suggest that Google is adding some new features to its search services that in theory should give users the latest information on specific subjects they are interested in. They will be adding a follow button where you can just tap a follow button in the search results and automatically see articles and videos about like marathon training, for example, perhaps fishing, maybe shark attacks or something like that, and it will follow along. Uh, for that search result and that trend and present that information to you. The new feature could even send you a notification if you have them turned on, if something in your follow search lineup comes up with something major or timely. Users can also update or even delete any of their follow search terms at any time. And Google says it will access its search algorithm to find sites and information on your follow subjects based on their expertise, experience, and trustworthiness. 
The new feature will roll out over the coming weeks in the US on the Google mobile app and on both Google Chrome and Apple Safari mobile web browsers. So it looks like a mobile play at least at first. Following up on a previous story, the issue that was causing virtual machines to blue screen on boot that was tied to a Windows update is to be fixed in this month's Patch Tuesday. Now, of course, as is usual, we can expect stories of issues that are caused by this month's patches trickling out in the coming days. In fact, if you're on the patch mailing group, uh, you get to see the early warnings, and you may already see some that are reporting issues with the latest Teams update, actually just removing Teams. Uh, so that would be pretty surprising considering I believe it's an MSIX application container. Uh, but I guess that doesn't mean that it couldn't remove stuff if it's being wrapped in some way. But yeah, tune into next week's episode because I'm sure I'll be covering some of that uh, Patch Tuesday Fallout stuff. Finally, in the news this week, there was an interview with the CEO of OpenAI, Sam Altman, where he confirmed that the company is now working to develop GPT-5. And he suggested that they need more data and they're hoping to work with organizations to collaborate on private data sets as well as prior work to acquire valuable content from major publishers like the Associated Press and News Corp. In a blog post, the team said that they want to partner on text, images, audio, or video, but are especially interested in long-form writing or conversations rather than disconnected snippets that express human intention. So it'll be very interesting to see where this leads. Uh, yeah, working with news corporations like News Corp and Associated Press, to me, that might suggest that they want more current data and possibly data that's current being constantly fed in. So it's keeping things up to date. It'd be interesting to see if they do the same with like tech outlets as well. But that's it for the news this week. Now this week's scripts, tricks and tips. First up this week, there were some workshops that took place the day before Ignite began. And some of those are now available online for public consumption if that interests you, including one that Rod Trent shared, which is a security workshop. The awesome Lee Jeffries shared some PowerShell functions that'll help you check prices for Azure VMs using PowerShell. So if you'd like to grab these functions and integrate them and use them within your own PowerShell scripts, these are readily available and I'll share a link to those with this episode. An oldie but a goodie, I saw that a PowerShell commandlet that Guy Leach shared a couple of years ago was uh, recycled again by Thorsten. And this one was for getting the username and SID of a running user. And if you're listening to the audio only version of the podcast, you could check this out for yourself on the video edition on YouTube or You'll find a link with this episode of the podcast if you want to grab those commandlets for yourself. Finally, Aiden Finn announced that his training activities with cloud mechanics will be coming back in 2024. And he said that he's thinking about getting started with an Azure course and a network intro to master class. He asks everyone what Azure content would be of interest. So if there's something you'd like to learn from Aiden, reach out to him. And that's it for this episode of the podcast. As always, thank you so much for listening.